1: Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me today, I have Dr. Carl Mangum. He is also an Associate Professor. He's also the Director of the Psychiatric Mental Health Nurse Practitioner track at the University of Mississippi Medical Center School of Nursing and is the current president of the Mississippi Nurses Association. And we're going to be talking about really the holiday blues today. And that's really not a big enough word to express the problem of stress and anxiety and mental health that can be challenged during the holiday season. But we want to talk about some of the reasons behind those things and how we can put some strategies and processes in place to help with that. If you have a question or a comment for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Our email is fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Healthy Habits with Josie on Facebook and leave a message for me there. And we do have a thread um, Go in this morning uh, that asks, uh, what do you think contributes to the feelings of stress, anxiety, and depression during the holidays? If you want to contribute to that conversation, any of those previously mentioned strategies will work to do that. Good morning, Dr. Mangum.
3: Good morning. How are you?
1: I am doing well. I'm doing well. It's not the most wonderful weather we're having today, but Uh, I'm grateful that we're able to get together distantly and and talk through some of these things today.
3: Yes, definitely.
1: So you are not a stranger to the show. You've been on uh, multiple times and helped with topics like this, but also disaster preparedness and those kinds of things, because you wear many, many hats. But tell me um, about your role as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner and what that means.
3: Well, uh, psychiatric mental health Health nurse practitioners are are part of the overall health team. Uh, We uh, see uh, patients um, um, of all ages, um, and we help um, uh, take care of patients. We're primary care people um, uh, like psychiatry, and um, we can write prescriptions, and um, we can do counseling. Um, We can uh, do pretty much the whole gamut um, uh, of the mental health needs, Um, and um, so we're... uh, we're all over the place. I currently practice in uh, South Delta um, School District. Um, I'm up there uh, weekly um, when I'm not doing my uh, school of nursing duties. And so uh, we're all over the place. You you might run into a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. If you're in a hospital, if you're in a local clinic, if you're in a counseling service, um, you will run into us um, many places.
1: Absolutely. And it, that field has become much more um, popular over the the past decade or so. We see more and more people going into that. And I know when I was a a nurse, uh, well, a nursing student, and we won't talk about the fact that you taught me in nursing school, but we just did. But (laughs) when I I thought, I will never do mental health like that, you know, that's not kind of my area of interest. But once you get really into clinical practice, you realize that, that mental health is a part of every single part of any other type of health that you are, are trying to, to work in. You know, I um, pr- deal primarily with people who are trying to lose weight or get control of their blood sugar or their blood pressure and those kinds of things. And the mental health piece is just as important in helping get control of those conditions as any medicine that I can do or any food that I can recommend. Um, they really are just just health. Right, We tend to break them up into you know, physical health and mental health, but they're all just,
3: just health. They are more connected than uh, anybody can imagine. And uh, depending on which research you read, uh, one in four or one in five Americans will have a diagnosable mental illness sometime in their lifetime. And uh, all of us are touched by mental health and mental illness. Um, everyone that you talk to can name at least one family member, and there are many of us that can name several family members uh, that have a mental illness, so diagnosable and has been diagnosed and may be on medication or used to take medication or has been to counseling or is going to counseling uh, to help treat that mental illness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's not a strange thing, and it's one of the things that, Uh, Really, we need everyone's help in in mainstream America to help continue to get rid of the stigma about mental health. If someone has cancer or heart disease or has had a stroke or a heart attack or uh, has a boil (laughs) on a part of their body, they don't mind talking about it. Uh, They don't Mm -hmm. mind saying, hey, you know, so-and-so has been diagnosed with lung cancer or, you know, uh, uh, Uncle Bob had a heart attack or Aunt Sally had a stroke. Um, they don't mind saying that, but uh, when it comes to saying, well, you know, Aunt Sue's been diagnosed with bipolar or Uncle Bob, you know, has been diagnosed with schizophrenia or, you know, Cousin Sally has been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. You know, that just didn't come out like um, like the other medical uh, diagnoses do, and there's still that stigma out there uh, that there's something wrong with you, and you can just... Okay. Um, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make yourself feel better. Uh, You can will yourself to feel better. And that is just, um, that's just not true. And um, if if people that have schizophrenia or bipolar or have depression, if they could will themselves to feel better, trust me, they would. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just like people that have cancer or heart disease, if they could will themselves not to have heart disease and not to have diabetes and not to have cancer, Uh, they would. And it's the same thing. And so, um, you know, I like to refer to some of these uh, mental uh, health diagnoses as a brain disease because Mm -hmm. essentially that's what it is. It is a brain disease. And uh, we need to look at it like that. And we as a society need to support one another uh, when a mental health diagnosis comes up. And we don't need to look at them, you know, like they're you know, some kind of uh, weirdo or... Uh, you like know, Like they're broken. Yep, yeah, right, a three-legged frog or something like that, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have a disease and they need help. And uh, we need to do whatever we would do to help someone that has cancer or a heart attack and or, or any of those other things. We need to do those same things or similar things or the appropriate things for the people that have been diagnosed with mental illness and their families. And sometimes... Um, we might not be able to do much for the people that have been diagnosed with the mental illness, but we can do stuff for the families. And um, that's some of the things we need to think about because those families really do need support because it is really tough on them just like it is um, with a family member that's been uh, diagnosed with a, a um, you know a, a medical disease.
1: So if if we can all agree that, that mental health and, and mental illness is Really foundational in addressing any part of our health, and we know it's very prevalent right so you just mentioned yeah. some statistics on how uh, how many people are dealing with mental health issues or on medications or counseling. Why do we still have this stigma still so not talked about or or looked down upon
3: well it, it you know it's still left over from um really from the mental <laughs> from the middle ages and it's worked through and everybody just tried to hide it. Uh, everybody had that, um, person in their family that they just, um, kind of someone took them in and took care of them and kept them at home. And I don't want to say locked away, but some of them were locked away. Uh, they didn't take them out in public and they just took care of them. And, um, you know, uh, they would get mentioned every once in a while within family circles. Uh, but that would be it. And, um, that would be, you know, that, that's the way it was. You just kept it hush, hush, and nobody talked about it. Um, and there are a lot of things in society that we could name and go through and talk about. That could be another 15 or 20 shows worth of stuff that would be very similar to this. It's just that, that shame that is brought upon people, like, uh, and and people view mental illness so much differently than physical illness. And, and people think that you can prevent mental illness. It's just like depression and anxiety. People really think if you're depressed, well, it's something that is your fault. You did something or you can just suck it up and feel better. Um, And and that's not true. True depression, you can't just suck it up. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And the thing is, is that we all go through depression. Everyone goes through depression. And a lot of people that are just having a bad day or a I don't want to use the term small bout of depression because I don't want people to get that confused with people that have true diagnosable depression. But all humans go through a, a, a bit of depression from time to time. Maybe you got a bad grade on a test. Maybe your ball yelled at you. Uh, maybe you had a flat tire. Uh, I mean, we could come up with thousands of reasons why you had a bad day and you were maybe a little depressed. Not clinical depression, you were just depressed. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is people mistake that, and use, and they say, well, look, we all have bad days. You just need to suck it up and feel better. Uh, the thing is, is they're trying to match their bad day to people's clinical depression, and it's not the same. It's apples and oranges, and that's yeah. where some of the, the stigma comes in. Well, I just made myself feel better. I went and got an ice cream cone, and everything was okay, but people mm-hmm. with clinical depression, they can't go get an ice cream cone and feel better. And All I right. think that's what some of that um, uh, problem comes into play is people really don't understand true clinical depression, true clinical anxiety. And the reason I use those two as examples is if someone meets someone with true schizophrenia um, and sees the signs and symptoms of that full-blown, uh, they kind of say, oh, something's wrong here. But with depression and anxiety... They don't always see that because it doesn't always manifest itself as someone with full-blown schizophrenia with all of the uh, manifestations that come with that sometimes. Um, And so people tend not to think of those as being that serious. If you take depression and anxiety, it costs the United States um, business world more work hours than any other set of diseases combined, Mm -hmm. if you put those two together, depression and anxiety, they cost American businesses more work hours than anything else combined. So when you look at it, those two are the most powerful things that affect the American worker, the American people. And so those are very serious, but yet the rest of us don't seem to take it that serious. And uh, so that's there, therein lies that problem where people, uh, why it's still a stigma. Yeah.
1: And, you know, in no way are these things the same, but it's almost, you know, so you mentioned sometimes we'll have down days or not or not feel great those days, and we kind of try and superimpose those bad days that we have every now and then onto someone who has clinical depression and is having that all the time. You know, wow. it's for me, so I have migraine headaches, right? My uh, husband does not have migraines, right? He ha- will have a regular headache but there is no way for me to adequately describe to him what having a migraine is like right that it is completely exactly. different than his episodic migraine that i mean ep- episodic headache that he will have um that he can take some Tylenol or ibuprofen for and it it goes away versus the the smells and the sounds and the the light and the brain fog and all the things that go into a migraine. And it's, it's, you can't adequately describe that for, for someone unless they've, they've had that. And if you're listening and you're a migraine sufferer, you're like, Oh, I know what she's talking about. Right. But if you haven't ever had a migraine, then, then you don't know. And that's okay. We don't, you know, we don't have to know, but we do have to um, respect the fact that those are, are different things. And those kind of situational uh, brief periods of feeling, you know, down or stressed are different from a, a clinical depression or a diagnosed anxiety disorder.
2: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
4: I'm Coach Charlie Melton, and I want to help steer you in the right direction. If you need coaching on fixing up your automobile, listen to our podcast, AutoCorrect, found on all
0: podcasting platforms. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MTV Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today, I have Dr. Carl Mangum, who is also a nurse practitioner, a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner at UMMC. And we are talking about mental health and the holidays and how important it is uh, to begin breaking down some of the barriers around talking about mental health uh, the importance of addressing your mental health and why we uh, seem difficulty with mental health around the holiday season. Yeah. Similar comment for us. Our number is mpb ring It's one our email is fit at mpbonline.org or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and you can join the conversation going on over there. And I did post this morning. Uh, says, what do you think contributes to feelings of stress, anxiety, and depression during uh, the holidays? And if you want to chime in with that, you can give us a call or join that online conversation. We do have a caller on the line. We've got Aubrey this morning. Good morning, Aubrey. What can we do for you today? Hello. I
3: just
1: wanted
3: to, I had an ex that had, just debilitating migraines, I mean, to the point that they couldn't knock her out with Thorazine, mm.
4: um,
3: but they gave the young doctor, I guess he was an intern, got both of us to sign off on an experimental thing. Uh, but they gave her hip well and an anti nauseal and a steroid. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean she was out before they finished the push on the on the second one. Mhm. So I don't know. I don't know what the two anti not diantinostrogen steroid
0: was, but I mean it was a miracle for her. Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes they'll use Compassine um, with with migraine. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Very good. <laughs> Yay! I passed the test. Yes.
3: I figured y'all being <laughs> doctors, you'd know that. Okay, that was
1: all I had. Absolutely, thank you so much for giving us a call. And and you're right, there are some really good cocktails, um, not not that kind of cocktail, medication cocktails out there that can <laughs> be used <laughs> to to help with migraines. Um, you know, and there are much newer medicines as well that help with just prevention um, of migraines. Migraine medicine and and the field of migraine medicine has has grown a lot in just the last couple of years. But I'm glad she found something that that helped her because it is. Quite, um, quite debilitating in when the middle of a migraine. You be safe on that road today. It's a nasty day. All right, have a good one. All right, over on Facebook, I did have that post this morning um, that asked about um, why, why do we what do we feel like is contributing to the stress, anxiety, and depression during the holidays, and uh, the comments that have come in um, have a lot to do with uh, the, the time commitment, um, or the lack of time, so to speak for all the things that need to get done. Um, the stress of preparing for it all, the feel like you're run, run, running all around and those kinds of things. Um, Carl, would you say that that's a pretty common reason that people feel at least overwhelmed or stressed during the holiday season?
3: Most definitely a very common one. Uh, People tend to want to make everything perfect or have that ideal Christmas season, Um, and they uh, overextend themselves. Um, They uh, plan things out, and and some little um, wrench is thrown into their plans, and it throws everything off, and uh, a child gets sick or, uh, um, you know, a delivery company does not deliver something or something is uh out of stock or whatever the case may be and one thing snowballs to another and then they just kinda get um um out of whack with things and um and uh next nice thing you know they get a little uh anxious about it and then they may get a little depressed and uh just so much pressure on themselves at some point they just kinda like um um fill all the weight of the world on, and uh, that causes the problem, um, and that's, a, that's a, a very normal thing. A lot of people really want, you know, Christmas is usually, uh, most people identify, not everyone, but most people identify as their favorite holiday or their most important holiday or their holiday that they look forward to the most, and most people, not all, but most, and um, they really put a lot of pressure on themselves to make it uh, special. there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But the thing is, is if you don't take time to enjoy it, you will miss the holiday and all your preparation work and running around trying to get things done that you'll, you know, miss the holiday itself. And that it's important to slow down. It's important to plan things out. It's important Mm -hmm. to, you know, have a plan B type thing and, and just settle down. You know, the the other thing that goes along with this is something that we call seasonal affective disorder, and, or SAD for short, and, um, you know, it actually has a clinical um, uh, basis that goes back with that of, of um, you know, lack of some serotonin as a neurotransmitter, and so it, it, it actually has a physical um, uh, piece to it, and that may be, you know, part of the, the thing, and and seasonal affective disorder is most common in the uh, early fall into the winter time, and you 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 see it some here in the south, but you see it mostly up in the in the northern part of the country uh, where winter uh, sets on a little bit earlier than what it does down here. It gets darker earlier up there because of the the rotation of the earth and the sun, and um, you'll see a lot of people. Um, with uh, in, inside sun lamps, and they'll want to sun themselves and, and things like that. And that is one of the prescribed therapies that goes along with it. But a lot of times, when you see this, you'll see people, and it'll be like those, like, like you were uh, uh, describing the holiday blues, you'll see that feeling of depression set in. And the difference with this, though, is you're seeing they're depressed most of the day, every day. And not just feeling bad, you know, for 30 or 45 minutes or an hour a day. They're feeling most of it every day. And they're losing interest in activities, and they're starting to give up. And they're having problems with sleeping and things like that. So it's a a diagnosable uh, thing, the the seasonal affective disorder. And one thing I do want to let people know is it's not just in winter. It can also happen in the summertime. And so we can see it then, too.
1: Absolutely. And I want to talk more about that, but we do have a couple of callers on the line, so we'll pop over to Alabama and talk with Alan this morning. Hello, Alan. How can we help you today?
4: Well, I just wanted to make a couple of comments about uh, the subject at hand outside of Mm -hmm. practice of medicine. Most employers do not realize uh, what depression really is, and Typically, you have people who might be diagnosed as clinically depressed, but the noticeable part is their mania, and then to a degree, megalomania. Anything that disrupts the norm adds a great deal of stress to them, and they're quite commonly outspoken or wanting to tell other people what to do as OCDC, uh, megalomania combination And it actually is kind of a carrier. It depresses other people. But if those individuals can be relocated to a position that's somewhat more remote or perhaps an auditing position where they're not dealing with as many people and variables, it helps tremendously. But but the undiagnosed manic people are the real problem, number one. And number two, the stress that people deal with during the holiday seasons is not so much per se, the whole uh, cornucopia of the holiday occasions, but you'll have one evil sister or brother, brother brother-in-law, whatever, and they're untreated for their depression and mania. And no matter what you do, when you have that person over, it's going to be unpleasant. And unless you're willing to cold turkey, say, Uncle Bill, Aunt Sarah, you need to get some medical help for your depression. You may not think you're depressed, but you're depressing the other people very, very much. But that's what I'm seeing as the real stresses in the holiday is that that one extra person that you, you've kind of brushed them aside because you know they'll never get help, but you know you're going to see them. And uh, sometimes their depression is such they can depress other people into uh, loud vocal confrontations or worse. And uh, the undiagnosed manic people are what I see as the biggest issue that's that's challenging in the psychological field. I wanted to throw that out there to you. uh, If you could relocate some people, which some people do, you can relocate them to a different assignment, that person can become an angel because they're not around to alienate other people and they can find a job that they can balance out and do. And I thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much for giving us a call. And, you know, one thing that I want to kind of piggyback on there is getting a correct diagnosis. Uh, You know, that is so important in, in how we manage things and, and how we treat, uh, you know, different disorders is making sure that we've got the right one. Not everybody that is stressed has generalized anxiety disorder. Not everyone that has periods of feeling down has uh, major depressive disorder or clinical depression. Um, there are a, a, a gamut of, of other diagnoses that can be at play, and they're not all treated exactly the same. Would you agree with that, uh, Dr. Mangum?
3: Yes, definitely, and uh, getting a correct diagnosis is definitely the key. Um, I would definitely uh, agree with that a hundred percent.
0: And
3: and dealing with family members is is a is a is a tough gig, no matter how you look at it. And and um, you know, and and I believe you, you you know you're correct. And that one time of year, um, either usually either Thanksgiving or Christmas, sometimes we run into family members that. Um, maybe causes some, um, uh, for lack of a better term, some angst um, every year or every other year or how often you run into them. And, you know, one of the things that that I tell people is we're all responsible for the way we feel. And a lot of people get into long talks with me about this, and the only person that can make you feel happy, sad, glad, mad, bad whatever the case you want to be is you you control your emotions you control how you respond to things how you see things and the what i try to tell people is don't let other people control your emotions because once you allow give them the control of your emotions they've got you and you're going to be miserable (laughs) um and Mm -hmm. there are some people in our lives that that if they are, if we're allowing them to make us be miserable, maybe we just don't need to be around them. It may be mm-hmm. the best decision is just to call a time out and say, hey, you know, love you, but <clears throat> maybe we don't need to be around each other for a period of time or whatever the case may be. And uh, yeah. sometimes that's the best decision to make. And, um, you know, one of us needs some help and, um, you know, it's either you or me and we need to get some help and feel better. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes we have to have those hard dis- discussions to um, maybe help someone realize that they may need help. And um, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to have that discussion, I'll be honest with you. I've had to have it with family members myself, and it was not fun, uh, certainly, uh, but they were able to get some help. And um, things turned out much better, um, mm-hmm. and um, well, I'm glad I had it.
2: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, is a show that explores
0: issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: This is Southern Rickety Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today, Dr. Carl Mangum. And we've been talking about the importance of focusing on mental health this holiday season. Uh, you can get in touch with us several ways if you want to join our conversation. Uh, we are taking your phone calls live at one eight seven seven mpb ring Go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie, or you can drop us an email, fit at org. And we do have a caller that has been patiently waiting on us. We will go talk with uh, John in Mobile. Good morning. How can we help you?
0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, has everyone had their coffee and donuts this morning?
1: Well, I've had coffee, no donuts for me, but I'm well, yeah. fully caffeinated. So
0: that's, that's what I want to hear. And, and Going back to donuts, I have a question for you. I'm a type 2 diabetic, and what I wanted to know is how the liver and pancreas operate or don't operate that causes me to be a type 2 diabetic. So I'd ask you to put on your endocrinologist hat and answer that question.
2: (laughs) Well, thank
1: you so much for that question. You know, I love talking about diabetes, and I can talk about about food and how those things interact with our body um, all day long. Uh, but uh, when we talk about uh, blood glucose, right, um, the, and we talk about diabetes, there's uh, type one, type two, gestational, and then some some mixed kinds that that come around in here. And with type two, that is largely a function of insulin resistance, which means our body does not use the insulin that we um, that we make as effectively as it should. And insulin comes from the pancreas. Right? It's released from the pancreas, and its job is to almost act like a key to um, to open the cell and allow the glucose that is in our bloodstream, based off what we've we've eaten, um, to enter into that cell to then be driven around in the body for for use. In my head, I think of a cell like a little car, um, and so. With insulin resistance, which is what's happening in type 2, then the, the insulin kind of gets to the cell and is trying to open it, um, and doesn't, it, it, it doesn't open it as well. Uh, some of them work. Some of them don't work. And the, the net result of that is that the blood sugar does not get into the cell for use, and so uh, the, it stays in the actual bloodstream, and you run a higher, higher um, blood glucose. And your body says, hey, what the heck is going on? I sent some insulin to do this. And you didn't do it, so let me send some more insulin. And so you wind up um, kind of over-secreting insulin over time, which is not good for your pancreas. The pancreas can, can burn itself out, so to speak, where it kind of um, burns through the beta cells that it has, which are what releases insulin. Now, in terms of the liver, um, the liver is also where we can store some of that um, glucose for later use. So when our blood sugar levels fall below what is safe, um, that can happen for a variety of reasons. It may be too much medication. It may be we skipped a meal. It may be a combination of those two things, you know, prolonged periods of fasting, that kind of stuff. Um, our our body recognizes the fact that, hey, my blood sugar is too low and I don't want to die. So a different hormone called glucagon um, will be released and it will help us break down some of that stored Uh, stored sugar um, so that our blood sugar can can raise and so the the treatment goals with type two are to balance those two processes um, where we keep our blood glucose in an acceptable range so that we're not kind of constantly over secreting insulin or having to squirt out a bunch of glucagon and so we can do that uh, with a combination of medications um, but the the underlying treatment is to treat that the lifestyle piece that would be be going on there to help Um, Choose the foods that are going to help decrease the insulin resistance and nourish um, the body as well as um, physical activity, which is going to help us take that uh, the muscle cells, take up that glucose better. Uh, Working on stress management so that our stress hormones uh, don't have uh, spikes or on their, their regular pattern of secretion. And our sleep that, again, feeds into all three of those other things, the food, the exercise, and the stress. So that was kind of a quick and dirty on how those two things uh, go together uh, to contribute to type 2 diabetes. Are you still let on me, the line I've with
0: got, me? Yeah. Let me see if I've got it right then. The, uh, mm-hmm. the pancreas is the organ that creates, that uh, secretes the insulin, right? And mm-hmm. the liver stores the excess sugar that's in your body. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, okay. I was wondering how the two related to each other. But that tells you what I need to know.
1: Well, you're I, welcome. Thank you so much for giving me a call this morning. I can,
0: I can go buy the Krispy Kreme now, right? Pick up my donut. Oh, no.
1: no I neither, and She says no to that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I can neither yeah. confirm nor deny your ability to eat donuts today. Um, but uh, donuts can have a place in your diet if if we do it correctly. All right. Y'all be safe. Have a great rest of your day. All right. So uh, kind of leading back into our talk about mental health today and that, that stress management piece, um, the holidays are a time of, of increased stress. And we mentioned kind of running to get it all done and those kinds of things. Uh, but financial stressors can also play a big part in, in why we see a little bit of an uptick, uptick in mental um mental health issues around
3: this time of the year, right, Carl? A big one. Uh, people uh, tend to overstretch themselves. They're trying to find the perfect gift, and and there are people that uh, try to find the one big gift or the people that try to buy a bunch of little gifts. Either way, usually spells disasters financially, um, and it's one of the things people just overextend themselves and then come um, uh, Christmas that they are... Um, um become depressed because they don't have the money to pay their bills and um and a whole set of issues start and uh causes a lot of problems um you know some of the the ways that you know uh we we see we tell people to help with this is you know plan 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 and but not you know not all of us are good planners and so we you know we acknowledge that up front but when we're talking about some of this is you know, definitely talk with your um, um, your family, your immediate family first to plan out how, who and what you're getting for people. Try to catch things on sales is one of the ways to do that. Talk to your friends. Uh, one of the things we say is seek community. Uh, talk to uh, your family, your friends, uh, people at church, people in social organizations you may belong with. Um, if you have friends on the internet, now, be careful about your friends on the internet. Uh, make sure it's a true friend on the internet, not mm-hmm. just someone you met passing, because they may not give you the best um, information or the best ideas or may not have your best interest at heart. So please keep that in mind uh, when you're talking to people on the internet. But uh, speak uh, speak to people that you would consider good counsel, Okay people that you would uh, take uh, your um, uh, tough questions in life to and ask, okay? So seek community would be one thing. Um, you know, follow your principles. Whatever your principles are in daily life, follow them. And then if things are still going bad for you, you know, you may need to seek a, a professional help. That, uh, that may be the time where you have to see someone like me or uh, uh, one of my peers and seek out some professional counseling. Um, if you're continuing to have these uh, bad feelings uh, every day um, uh, uh, for you know a couple of weeks, uh, you know, and it's starting to affect your activities of daily living, as we call it, uh, where it's affecting your relationships with others, where it's affecting your school, your work, uh, you can't get out of bed to go to work or can't get out of bed to go to school, um, and it's affecting your daily life. That's when it's a sign. Hey, I need to talk to somebody and get some help. Um, and that's, uh, that's what we tell people is, Hey, uh, you, you need help and let's get you some help so we can get you better. And that's usually the thing is, um, most of the time we can get you better. Uh, one of the other things people really don't think about is go outside. And, uh, of course now, uh, about an hour ago around here,
1: <laughs> <Not today. laughs> a,
3: a horrible time to go outside. You would have probably been struck by lightning. Uh, but, uh, uh, but go outside, enjoy some nature. Uh, get 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 in tune with outside. Of course, don't do it in the middle of a thunderstorm. But um, you know, go outside and enjoy uh, a what's there. Uh, enjoy nature, and even in winter, we can enjoy nature. It's still beautiful out there. Um, and, and and get to yourself. Enjoy some uh, uh, mindfulness. Is the, is the term out there? There are plenty of apps out there you can get. I have one that comes up on my phone. Uh, that tells me to stand up. Uh, I have one that tells me to uh, uh, take a few minutes of mindfulness. And it's where I stop everything that I'm doing and concentrate on things that are important to me, uh, which would be uh, scripture and my family. And those are the things that are important to me. And I take just a few minutes and concentrate on those two things. And um, I tend to focus better I tend to feel better and I'm tend to able to move through the rest of my day or the next part of my day in a better mood because I take a few minutes and focus on important things to me and um, again there are plenty of apps out there that can help you uh, do that Um, and and some of them are free some of them are not it's up to you I tend to be on the cheap side and since we're talking about uh, uh, financial difficulties during the holidays I tend to uh, lean towards the free side and there are plenty of those that can uh, help you with those things. Um, and, and it's just important, guys, you can take control of these things. Um, you know, un- unless you have a, a, a severe mental illness, the, the day to day holiday blues uh, things that, that most of us go through, we put ourselves in those positions and you can work yourself out of them. You have to stop, make a informed decision Seek help from your friends and family, make a plan, and move forward. And most of us can do that. You just have yep. to make a conscious decision to do so. And um, it's, um, it, 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 it can not be fun, but you can do it.
2: I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
3: Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio.
1: For joining us here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, Um, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Dr. Carl Mangum has been joining me today and we've been talking about the importance of mental health this holiday season. We've got just a few minutes left in the show and so I'm going to share my kind of number one strategy for dealing with feeling overwhelmed this, this season Uh, We talked about planning and preparing, and so I am a big fan of lists. I do tend to make lists of, you know, the the gifts I need to buy or um, the different uh, things that need to get done around the house to get ready for those kinds of things. But with depression and anxiety um, comes a less talked about feeling of just overwhelming fatigue and inertia almost, just not knowing how to get started once you have, uh, once you have that list. And so one technique that I have found helpful is to set a timer. So whatever it is that, that I have to do, maybe it is cleaning up the kitchen so that we can, can get ready to bake, Um, set my timer for 15 minutes and just clean as much as I can get cleaned in that 15 minutes. And then when it's that 15 minute timer goes off, I I can go back and and, and do what I was doing before. Um, It just gives me that, kind of a little little short burst of productivity when, when mentally I don't know that I can tackle uh, everything that's on my
0: list that I have going
1: on there. All right, Carl, what's, what kind of parting tip do you have for our listeners?
3: Well, I, I like the timer thing. That's an excellent one. Uh, mine is a little more philosophical. Mine is stop and enjoy the moment. And uh, let me explain that a little bit. We're all hurried. We're all trying to get stuff done. We're all a little razzled. uh, Some of us are a little depressed. Some of us are a little anxious. Some of us are still running around trying to get stuff done. We're worried about money. We're worried about time. We're worried about family and friends. We're worried about travel. We're worried about time. Stop. Enjoy the moment. Nothing it really re-
1: is important.
3: No- yeah. Nothing can replace the time that you are with family and friends. The money, the gifts, the none of that can replace be none of that can replace the time that you're spent with loved ones and friends. Um, and that is so important. You can't get any of that back. We can we can buy more toys. We can buy more sweaters. We can buy more things. But the time with family and friends, y'all, is truly what is most important. When people are on their deathbeds, and y'all know y'all have heard this probably a hundred times, some of you, but it's worth saying again, you never hear anybody regret saying, well, I wish I'd have bought another fishing boat, or I wish I'd have bought another sequin dress, or I wish I'd have bought another set of earrings. You hear people say, I wish I'd have spent more time with, and they start naming off people my my one thing that i tell people is stop enjoy the moment cherish the moment that you have with your family and friends each and every day that truly is what is most important and when you focus on that it it, it you can't go wrong the 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 trinkets and the items we all think they're important, people, but they're not. Each other is what's important.
1: Yeah, that's you know, it. you're you're exactly right, and it's it's such an important thing to stop and remember in the hustle and bustle of all this. And it's very similar to to another strategy that I use in folks who are having problems with anxiety and depression, and that's that's journaling and gratitude journaling, focusing on yeah. you know, what what's the good that happened. And so that might be something you could start with your family, right? Like, what was everybody's favorite um, thing that happened this holiday season, that, and kind of write it be, down.
3: That would be a great one. You can. Uh, I know of families that have gotten one journal book, and each person takes a turn writing in the journal. You can get a journal, and each person have their own, where they write their own stuff in. But a family can get one journal book and everybody writes in the same book so you can see what each other is thankful for and what gratitude they have for. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners.
0: So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org.